everybody. Welcome back to the McLean Daughters Podcast 2021 edition. Yay. Um, and thank you for the lovely messages that we have seen from you guys. Um, we've gotten, I got an email from somebody checking in when we'd be back. I put up a photo the other day of me watching McLeod's prepping for this episode and a few people commented saying, yay, we've been waiting for it and looking forward to it. So thank you for your kind words, everybody. We really appreciate it. It is lovely to hear. And um, yeah, if you enjoy the show, one thing that we've learned about McLeod's fans as we've been doing this for the past year or so is that they tend to watch in packs. <laughs> It was often, I mean, especially in Australia, you know, when it was airing live at the time, it was in prime time when families were watching, you know, sort of their TV before they went to bed. And so it's often people have, you know, put up messages about their memories of watching the clouds the first time. And, you know, they watched it with their, with their mums or, you know, with all their siblings. And now they have the box set and they rewatch it together and it's very nostalgic. And so if you are one of those McLeod's herds, maybe we should call them, <laughs> um, then, and you think that the other people who are in your tribe who also love McLeod's would enjoy the show, send it off to them as well. And let's get more people enjoying this thing. Um, but we are here, I'm here with Rachel. I should say our names. It's been so long. I've forgotten our usual intro. I'm going way off track. What are we doing? I've gotten out of the Sounds habit. good to me. <laughs> I'm here Hi, everybody. <laughs> New York Times Hi, everybody. She's here. I'm here. I'm Jessica Kate, also an author. We both write romance. We love TV. We like talking about it. We look at it from the Australian and American perspectives, which is fun to talk about the differences. There's such a growing fan base of McLeod's over in the States now, so it's really fun to chat about that. And, yeah, that's what we do. Welcome. <laughs> I will say in this particular episode, number 21, which we're, we are about to discuss, I paused a couple of times at some of the phrasing, and I'm like, wait, oh, what did really? he just say? Yeah, what does that mean? What? Okay, what? I mean, you kind of get it in context, but yeah. I was like, what's yeah. that? What did he just say? What's that word? Oh, that's a good <laughs> point. Do you remember what any of them were specifically? Or will we get, yeah. to, it when we get to that point? We'll get to it. We can talk about it. Because as you guys know, I watch the show as we go along on my iPhone just to make sure that we don't miss any really poignant points. Um, it was when, um, I can't remember the guy's name, who came in, Tessa's friend, and he said something Simon? about, he Simon, yeah, Simon. And he said something about, I don't mean to rock on you or, or drop a rock. I forget. The word rock is the, is the context in which he used the word rock. So I, I was like, wait, what did he say? Back up. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember that particular phrasing. Well, interesting. We'll see what comes up um, when we get to that point. So as Rachel said, we are looking at episode 21 of season one. It is called Friends Like These. Um, and it is actually the second last. I wasn't sure exactly how many episodes were in this season. Turns out there's 22. So this is the second last one of the season and we open up with the girls are mustering on horseback and I enjoyed this scene because um the way this sounds like a funny little thing but um and if you're just joining us I grew up on a dairy farm um and a couple other different farms my dad's a farmer and so I spent my teenage years milking cows in the dairy and I liked the way they were yelling at the cows because that was real. Like when I've brought friends from town or the city out to the farm and they're out helping us chase some cattle or something, they don't yell at the cows right. And it's hard to explain if you haven't seen it, but there's a certain 
yell you have to do you kind of make your voice deeper it's really long you've just got like a couple things you yell at them but they're used to it and it gets them going and you get your friends out there and they're like hey move cow move and you're like nah that's not how you do it (laughs) you have to give us an example now we're all going how does it go Jess tell us (laughs) my neighbors are going to be like what is going on in that house it's like a really long, it almost sounds like you're mooing. Like you just yell, come on, like really long and loud at them and get up and a couple other things like that. You just have a couple phrases and you just cycle through them. And um, yeah, but just, I noticed the way the girls were doing it sounded, I was like, that's how we would do it in the dairy. And, um, and when Tess was saying how she understands how the cattle think, I'm like, I know they've played that for a joke, but it's actually a real thing. <laughs> I believed it. I thought that's probably true because you just start to, I can tell you what my cat's thinking, feed me (laughs) or I will kill you. (laughs) It really is. And it's something that I'm always impressed with my dad. So we were off the land for a while um, and he did some other businesses and they've recently gone back, but they went back in the middle of the drought and they had no stock. So only in the last couple months, my dad has cattle back on his farm for the first time in probably like five years or so. And, um, and so I was doing just a tiny bit. I do not do much cattle work, but I was doing a smidgen of it with him the other day. And he was like, stand here, do this, move this way. These are, these cows have been out on a big station, like drovers run, except bigger. And they hadn't, they weren't used to humans. unlike dairy cattle, which are very tame and used to humans. And he's like, they're going to move like this. They're going to do this. You need to stand here. You need to have, you need to move this way so that they, go in the direction that I want, but they don't trample you and blah, blah, blah. And he knows like what they're thinking, what's going to turn them around. And sometimes it's things you wouldn't think to do, but it like gets their head in the right direction and then they follow and then the herd follows them. And like it, there is actually, I'm not saying the cow's thoughts are complicated, but they are there <laughs> and they definitely operate in a different way to say sheep or a different kind of animal. And, um, and yeah, dad is very in tune with the cows. <laughs> That's too funny. That was um, a phrase when you were talking that hit me. Mm. We would say ranch hands and um, what's his name said to Becky, he's a station hand. And you just said at a large station. So we would say ranch hand or at a large ranch and you, you use the word station. Well, it's probably different. Station usually refers to, so we would normally say station or farm and um station refers to like those really massive properties right um it's probably beef cattle or sheep not really you're not cropping you're not probably really a commercial dairy you're a grazier and they were often very large the owner was probably somewhat wealthy there's sort of two classes of country people there's your like down and dirty farmer and then there's your grazier who is a little oh, bit more upper mm. class <laughs> goodness <laughs> and you I know out we... west like in the northern territory you'll have stations that are a million acres or so just because the land's so desolate you need a million acres to feed two cows so um, right right I think we would call those corporate farmers or corporate ranches so we do oh, have a lot yeah, of corporate farming here owned. corporate ranching they're not always owned by a corporation. Like in the old days, they would be owned by just one dude. Kind of like the man from Snowy River. You know how her dad's like a real sort of upper class snob, but he yes, he land? is that. Yes, yeah. I, I think we we've had that certainly here in the past. I don't know mm. um, how it's run now, but I, there are probably a blend of everything: small, big, privately owned, and big, corporately owned. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, big corporate ones are becoming a real thing over here too, like super funds of buying yeah. farms and stuff. So if you're still with us, we're just going to talk about episode 21. <laughs> <laughs> really derailed into American Australian farming. Okay. <laughs> Before that, we were talking about history. So we will do a podcast on that sometime. Everybody make a cow sound and we'll be moving on. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I love that. Just, I love that. It was so good. You know what? I do love Jess's practical experience because she does point out things that are good and bad or not bad. It's not the right word. Or maybe just things that you're done that are done for a show mm-hmm. that you wouldn't do in real life. Mm-hmm. But, and then this particular episode I'm watching it at a diner, everybody. I'm watching it at a diner with my husband. We go there every <laughs> a couple mornings a week. And I went to the gym. I met him at the diner because he had something else to do. And I was like, oh, I got to watch this episode. So I'm listening at the diner with my earbuds in. And there was one point where I laughed out loud. We'll talk about that. Another point where I'm like, no way. And But there was another point, and I'll get to that. And I'm like, if one more cow dies on the show, I'm done. So <laughs> there's so many. And I've never watched a show where so many poor critters die. Uh, but that's yeah. but that is real life i get that so it is real life yes <laughs> uh, but back to the episode so visitors show up at the farm and tess recognizes the car and runs down and her friends get out of the car and then my my notes here are in all caps oh my gosh 2001 soul patch <laughs> that was my primary reaction oh simon <laughs> that's Simon's right facial hair <laughs> oh man that is certainly very much of that era <laughs> you don't see those as often nowadays uh, I'm rather grateful for that it well, I don't think it's a look that's aged well I didn't find him quite as attractive as Tess found him during the episode I think largely due to the soul patch <laughs> oh so that's so weird Jess because I thought he was the cutest of all the guys I'm like, finally, a cute guy. Oh, my goodness. I was like, this dude compared to Nick and Alex is nothing. (laughs) Well, you know, the soul patch is weird, but I looked over. I could, you know, it wasn't a big distraction for me. That's so funny. He has a really cute smile. And I thought he just, I don't care for his personality too much, but he seemed, I don't know. Physically, I thought he was really cute. (laughs) Well, there we go. Different people like different things. Um, they're all cute I will say they're all cute I'm 60 I can say that they're all cute (laughs) but um I thought he was really cute I thought Um, all right so Simon has been before, hasn't he like I'm pretty sure it it took me a while while watching but Tess has very briefly mentioned an old boyfriend I feel like it was in one of the really early episodes maybe Claire like found a picture of him or something and Tess says something about an old boyfriend or a text or an email, something. Yeah, something, yeah. Probably not a text, but maybe an email. It was one of those early ones, yep. Yeah, um, I think you're right. So, and this marked a real turning point, I would like to point out, in Tess and her fashion choices. <laughs> I really noticed this. So during this week, I watched 21 and 22, but I won't talk about 22, but I just, it confirmed for me that this pattern continued because her friends got out and they're from Adelaide. They're very city-fied. And now in comparison to them, Tess is far more country. Whereas, you know, thus far in the show, Tess is the city one, Claire's the country one. Claire dresses like she's on the farm every day. Tess is often wearing tops and she's like, she'll wear jeans, but she'll wear tops and jackets that are very city and really contrast against what Claire's wearing. And in this episode, all of a sudden, Tess is in a very country shirt 
and her friends are in city gear and you never see Tess, well, in the two episodes I've watched since, you don't see Tess wearing her city clothes ever again. And all of a sudden she's kind of, and I guess it kind of outwardly reflects her mental transition up until now compared to, because she compares herself to Claire, she sees herself as the city one. But now she sees her city friends and she realises, as we'll see through the episode, how much she's changed. And now she starts to shift her own thinking in seeing herself like, and I, this is the journey that the episode will take, actually, am I a city girl or am I now a McLeod who belongs on Drover's Run? And she makes that deliberate step and it shows in her clothing choices. And I thought it was fun for me to notice like, oh, look at that. All the city clothes are gone. That's interesting because I felt I didn't, that didn't stand out to me. It's such, such a good notice because they do use a lot of metaphor in this show. Yes. I, we have seen her in slacks before, in boots before, and in... Yes. I call the duster, the long jacket. We have seen yeah, her in yeah. that before. She does that. I'll, I think it's more like her shirts that I would. Yes, notice. she did. I, I would agree with that. And yeah. she did, well, didn't have any dresses because she still occasionally would come out in a dress. Mm. But you know what I noticed mm-hmm. in this particular show, which we'll get to, but I'm just going to point it out while we're here. I thought this was the first time all season, except for maybe the first show, that she actually fixed herself up for that dinner with Simon and um, mm-hmm. Bryony. Mm-hmm. Is that her name? Bryony? I was like, yeah. Bryony. I was like, whoa, look at that. You know, her hair was down and it was like fixed and she had makeup on. <laughs> I was like, all right, all right. We see you, Tess. So <laughs> that was to me an interesting contrast that it really, that stood out to me as she actually fixed herself up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, so um, to outline what the friends are doing here, they are Tessa's friends. They were best mates since clay- catering class at TAFE. And we remember from the early episodes, Tessa's dream originally was to buy and run her own cafe. And it was a dream she'd sort of shared with her mum, who's now died. And, um, and we knew that she had done some courses at TAFE, which uh, American listeners, if you're not familiar with what TAFE is, it's like a technical college thing. It's hard to find a direct equivalent to it in the States, I so far um there might be one that i'm just not aware of but it's like a vocational training place anyway she went there to learn she did some business and catering courses um and she was apparently housemates with these guys and used to date simon and now briny and simon have bought her dream cafe the one that she showed in the fly to claire like in episode one i think it was or two and they want her to come and to run it together the three of them And so now she's at these crossroads. Does she stay at Drover's Run where she has improved in her farming skills, but she doesn't particularly feel needed. Like Claire's there, Claire's very capable. Or does she go back to her life at the city? Like where does she really belong? So, and the city folk also are a little condescending to our country heroes. They um, they say Tess has been emailing us all these details and Meg mentions how she's got a casserole on for dinner and they're all like, oh, apricot chicken, right? Which made me laugh because my mum made apricot chicken all the time when I was a kid. <laughs> I have never had apricot chicken, so I think I should try that. It's very easy. You put chicken in the thing, you tip apricot nectar on it, and then you get those little dried French onion soup packets, like that powdered soup thing, and you put that on top and it makes it crunchy and salty and yum. Pretty sure... I think that's all there is to it. There might be an ingredient or two else. If you try it and it sucks, then I'm just sure there was an ingredient or two. Else. I will blame. I will blame. I don't Jess think now. there was much. Else. 
Yeah, that was a really interesting look on Meg's face when they said, yeah, apricot chicken. Yeah, she's a, but, she's a bit sensitive when everybody makes fun of her apricot chicken. <laughs> but I do like from a storyteller point that they keep bringing up, some, kind of running some of these same bits and they kind of, yeah, they're threading those things through the story, which is the continuity of that is really refreshing and really something that you want to see in a story. Think of all your favorite shows. There's this continuity that Mm -hmm. you expect to happen so Mm -hmm. definitely and uh by comparison her mates have brought fresh seafood which like you and you are never eating seafood at drover's run they are um two hours they mentioned in this episode away from gungellen which my gosh i thought i lived out of town when i was a kid i was only half an hour out um two hours away from town and that is who knows how many hours away from the coast you would just never get anything other than fish fingers out there um so they've brought fresh seafood they've brought grog they want to stay up and party and the others are all like ah we've got to work in the morning and the uh the contrast between city and country is very very clear (laughs) very clear um so the next morning tess shows the guys how to drench the cattle and uh, they're joking, Claire's having a bit of fun with these newcomers and jokes about them castrating some cows and says um, they make a joke about we won't make you use your teeth. And I laughed at that point because I have known people who actually like that is a real thing. <laughs> that is not made up. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah, they had a couple of little... Uh little innuendos in this particular when they were discussing that but as always <laughs> yeah um and and then that night again a bit of contrast the the city folks cook dinner they like set it on fire it looks really fancy they're talking about how much they love coffee australia is a country of huge coffee snobs and lovers the reason why starbucks does barely exist here is because we make better coffee <laughs> we think it sucks and no one so you know that's interesting though that um, at one point in the episode, Tess says, can you get me an espresso machine? But it seems that no one else on the rant, on the farm <laughs> mm. drink it. Yes. The, it, the coffee culture is much stronger in the capital cities. Out in the country, you're going to be less. And also it's grown a lot. This is only 2001 or two. So it's increased a lot in the last 20 years as well. Um, but yeah, Melbourne and Adelaide too is probably really strong very strong coffee culture they were laughing about how they had like seven lattes or something and i was like yeah that sounds like them (laughs) oh yeah they were and you know what else was interesting here in this opening bit is jody because Mm -hmm. she she looks like she's all about these city slickers Mm -hmm. she definitely wants wants them she wants to be them she wants their approval she wants them to engage with her you can kind of see you know her the lights go on in her eyes when she sees these folks and i keep forgetting in my mind i'm thinking how old is she and it's also what's weird a little bit weird for me is i'm never clear on how much time has passed at one point in this show it feels like it's only been a couple of months and i'm like that's impossible Mm. so um I was wondering anyway. too, how long has Tess been at Drover's Run? Like, I feel like it's been at least six months, but I don't know that it's been a whole year. Yeah, I feel like for everything to have progressed the way it has, it's got to at least be six months to up to a year. Mm. I would even go as far as nine months. But anyway, um, but it wasn't, this is key kind of to Jody's character. We see her Very showing nice. more of what she wants and she's only what, 18. 
Mm-hmm. So she still wants to explore life. And I think she feels very trapped mm-hmm. in this ranching life. Mm-hmm. She definitely does. Um, Claire has a typical Claire reaction and just assumes that Tess is going and doesn't try to say her feelings or do anything to keep her. And at first I was a bit annoyed because I was like, oh, he is angry Claire again. But she made progress later in the episode. So I enjoyed that. That was... I thought I was the same way. I'm like, oh, come on, you two talk. Mm. Either you've had enough time to learn to love each other to talk or you haven't had enough time and who cares? Mm-hmm. So w- would have a long space, the time span is that they've been together. But I was really weird with Tess when they show up. She's like, oh, just old friends, going to hang out. You know, find your time to tell the truth. And then she tries to and Claire's like, yep, okay, goodbye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Are you laughs> See ya. <laughs> yeah. I'll talk to you tomorrow, kind of clipped, clipped answers. And so, but they do resolve it in the end. So they do. That was good. Um, so then we see a bit of alone time with Tess and Simon. Simon gives her a massage. I totally thought Alex was going to walk in on that, but it doesn't happen yet. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> they listen to an old song. They're dancing together. That's when it clicked in my head that Simon was the ex that was referenced earlier. But then I'm like, but what about Alex? Like he, the last episode was the one where Alex and Tess seemed to take sort of a definite step forward into this was no longer just hooking up. It seemed like an official relationship. Um, so we're still in that very nebulous territory here with those two. And I also wrote in all caps, sweetheart, the soul patch is not attractive. But obviously that's just to me. Some other people the soul patch is working for. Um, but I was like why are you dancing with him I don't get this (laughs) yeah they went romantic really quickly and of course he's announcing I you loved me before I wasn't ready now I love you and I'm ready and I did think that was interesting so I I think at her age running into an old flame the relationship with Alex is still a little bit new but definitely progressed I mean Mm -hmm. they're sleeping together they've kind of talked about their feelings for each other. And they've been flirting with, with this for a long time, but I can see the moment of them dancing in the dining room. It feels that felt very realistic. Mm-hmm. You have to explore those feelings. I was a little curious why so much time had passed mm-hmm. that for them getting together. But if, you know, maybe Simon lives about four or five hours away, it's not anything you can just run down to mm-hmm. the ranch and hang out for the weekend. It's a, it's a concerted effort. Mm-hmm. So it sounded like maybe they'd kind of broken up and they're, this is them getting back together. So I liked I that so. scene. I thought it was really sweet. And I liked um, and his little speech. Like I kind of yeah. thought because they'd been a bit condescending earlier, I thought, oh, he's going to be this real jerk and we're all going to be like, no, Tess, don't be with him. But he actually like, once I sort of heard his speech out, I was like, he's actually offering something better than what Alex is offering right now. Like this guy is offering to commit with her. She knows him. She loved him once. He's ready to take a grown And he brought the dream forward. right to her door. Hey, he I bought the cafe. Yeah. Coffee, coffee, coffee. <laughs> what, what is what is Alex offering? He acts very long-suffering if he has to listen to Tess talk for more than two minutes. <laughs> and thinks he's a giant hero if he, you know, helps her out when she's sick. He's not offering any kind of long-term commitment. So, yeah, at that point, Simon started to win me over. Yeah. I liked him. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know if he was really serious. He seemed a little bit of a um, partier, like Tess saw him, but yeah, I, was, I wanted to see see where it was going. Mm, yeah, see if see if he really stuck it out. 
The next morning they're working with the cows and Alex shows up and literally kicks the gate open. <laughs> what did you This think is where that? I laughed out loud in a restaurant. I was it was so funny. Here he just walks right up. He's got his thumbs hooked in his pockets and he just kicks the gate open. And I thought, what? What was the, that? I'm the laughing out loud. The was turned up to 11. <laughs> I know, right? But he didn't even know who was there. He just yeah. saw two people and he thought he'd show off or something. I don't this know what that was This is just how he walks around. <laughs> I think he saw one dude near Tess and he was like, boom. Um, and Bryony immediately reacts. She's like, oh, my gosh, a real-life cowboy, which I thought was kind of weird. I don't know. Do Australian city girls really say cowboy? We don't. Australia doesn't really refer to cowboys very often unless you're talking about professional radio. Right? I thought that felt a little off, too, that yeah. she kept calling him a cowboy. Uh, that felt yeah, very American, American to me. Yeah. It felt very American. We would call Alex a cowboy, but so far in the show, we've never referred to him as that. So no. it seemed a little weird. Mm, yeah definitely a bit odd to me too um and Alex shows up and very pointedly says oh just making sure all her case and she didn't show up last night Tess and I was like oh here we go she's outed in front of them now they all realize oh she's actually dating Alex Alex is obviously instantly suspicious and um Simon Bryony keeps flirting Bryony keeps flirting flirting Simon like pokes the bear a little bit and Tess manages to cover. He, Alex asks her out in front of them all and she covers and makes sure it's like a group barbecue. And uh, I noticed invited Nick as well. So, um, and she was like talking really loudly and awkwardly. And so when Alex like yells, he wasn't yelling at her, but he because she was talking so weirdly loudly because she felt uncomfortable, Alex mimics her and goes, right, I'll cook, like super loud. And it, and it, I was like, oh, look, I liked that Alex was aware enough that he was picking up that Tess was acting weird. Like this was not going over his head. Sometimes he's been very sort of obtuse in the past, but he was clued in to all of this and he kind of knew that she was feeling awkward and made a bit of fun of it, which I thought was funny. And I also love that Claire was like over Alex's shoulder and when he said he would cook, she just immediately like laughed and it cracked me up because I wasn't expecting it. (laughs) And he shouldn't have later. We see the other thing that's (laughs) happening here is the two guys are kind of checking out their territory. Mm. So, you know, he steps up to say, I'm going to cook, which is weird that he said that, but in contrast to last night, Simon cooking. And now Simon, when they're trying to find the vaccine in the refrigerator for the cows, um, He's saying, oh, he's probably never heard of a film festival. So Simon's yeah. kind of scratching oh, the dirt and going around and going, this isn't the guy for you. So both of the guys are trying to establish themselves as I'm the better one for you. That's how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. And Very Tess, much. who are who are you now? And Tess then seems kind of caught in the middle. Mm-hmm. She doesn't come straight out to Alex, but then she doesn't about Simon, but then she defends Alex to Simon and Bryony when they're in the kitchen talking. So she's like, he's nice. Mm. And she, but she downplays the seriousness of their relationship at the same time. So I definitely felt she was trapped between Simon and that and him dancing with her and, and Alex. And when I was young, I was in a similar situation where I felt kind of trapped between two different guys. I get it. I get the feeling. Of course I had not been as intimate as Tess with either one of them at that point, but 
I felt, oh, which guy do I like? So mm-hmm. I think that's where Tess is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's very understandable. And I liked, I was a little bit worried that the episode would be Tess trying to hide the truth from both of them and keep Simon and Alex separate and not let either of them know that she sort of had a history with both. I was glad that it got outed very early on and they both were very obviously clued in and openly talked to her about it. They weren't just dancing around the issue. Simon came over to her and is like, so you're in a relationship with him. I was like, ah, hallelujah. Someone gets straight to the point. I was glad that they were able to have at least like that kind of honest level of conversation, even even though Tess wasn't clear on what she felt yet and didn't have an answer for them yet. The guys both knew exactly what was going on and that was that was not nice. yes in the search for the vaccine ends very funny with Tess saying I hope you didn't put it on the fish and I'm like <laughs> if they're experienced chefs why would they put something they don't know cow vaccine is very clearly labeled you would not <laughs> you would not yeah, mistake right. it for anything else <laughs> that would but that was a cute throwaway line yeah it did make what, you laugh, what, else, yeah. what else is curious to me is Briny is going on and on about Alex and wants yeah. to see him ride a horse and look at his chest and look at all this stuff. And Tess is downplaying Alex. And, and I'm assuming that Bryony is clued in on how Simon feels about Tess. Mm-hmm. I was really surprised she didn't throughout the show make a play for Alex. Yeah, I thought that she would. Maybe it was a deleted scene or something or they just didn't have time to cover it. But she definitely seemed like mm-hmm. the sort... I liked Simon a lot better. Like, Bryony was just an idiot, really. Simon seemed to have some redeeming qualities and was just a little bit of an idiot. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, and I also noted that uh, I think at some point either Simon or Bryony asks her, or is it now or is it later in the episode? They say, where do you see yourself in the future? Do you want to have yeah, later. With this guy? Ah, oh, later. Okay. We'll later in the then. episode, later in the episode, Simon asks her. So we'll get to that. But we're... Mm-hmm. Um, so in the meantime, Bryony talks to Becky again, is very condescending, insulting, implies that the women are all lesbians because they all live out there on the farm without the Ryan. She calls but, her butch. She says she's butch. Yeah. <laughs> and then she like makes out like there's no guys around, so they must all be lesbians. But I'm like, she's seen Alex. She knows the Ryan boys live next door. Like it just seemed like a very odd conclusion to jump to. Um, it yeah, felt like a really conversation. odd conversation. Yeah, yeah, it felt like a very odd conversation. She doesn't know her, and she just kind of right she's away throwing stuff out there. Yeah, and remember, this is two thousand and one, so television was handling different issues differently. Mm. And so, yeah, um, I also thought I was like that conversation wouldn't have gone like that nowadays. No, it wouldn't have gone like that nowadays. But I don't know if she was trying to be insulting or she was trying to. At first, I thought she was going to make a play for Becky. Is, yeah. is Bryony going to make a play for her? I also wondered and, that. But, um, but then Becky, you know, gives her a zinger and walks off, mostly mm-hmm. because she's just acting very condescending about everything, about the ranch, about the farm, sorry, mm-hmm. about, about the women who work it, which I thought is one of the strengths about the show is it's these women are working this farm and they're making it work. Mm. Very much. And in the meantime, Tess is sending Meg out on whether or not she should leave. Meg says, don't die wondering, just do what you have to do, we'll be okay, which is where we start to realise that what Tess wants is for someone to say that she'll be missed and she's not getting that off anybody. (laughs) Um, 
Alex is cooking the barbecue with Bryony. He's burnt everything. Very difficult. This is like a running joke in my family. Dad just loves to make everything black on the barbecue. We He is no longer the master chef of our house. My brother has been anointed as the keeper of the barbecue. <laughs> oh, that's, I was noticing that. I'm like, as opposed to the dinner they had with Simon and Briny, that looks like shoe leather. <laughs> yeah, but that's kind of a thing. Like I feel like a lot of Aussie blokes like to man the barbecue. And there are some who, who like their steak more rare, but there is a large contingent, I feel like, who like the very well done thing, maybe particularly in the country. <laughs> nope. I think the opposite would be in the States. Guys like <laughs> Alex want it almost mooing. Yeah. <laughs> I guess actually I would say there's no trend it's just all individualistic you can't mm-hmm. kind of stereotype that um this is the scene where Tess has her hair down and it's combed she has on a nice blouse mm-hmm. she has a little bit of makeup on she's talking to him you know he smiles at her as if there is something special between them still um so maybe he's gonna have to declare himself Which, Simon or Alex do you mean um Alex Alex, yes. Well, I like the conversation at the barbecue. I wrote, uh, also, Alex is looking good. I feel like, like he normally doesn't look bad, but I felt like he was a little bit sharper than usual this episode. Yeah, he actually had on like a nice shirt and slacks. He looked yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I think he was putting in some effort because he sensed a bit of a challenge. Uh, we had another metaphor. It, uh, it's now fun for me, like picking out what the metaphor is every episode because he I says, know, you can there's... choose sausage or steak. And she's like, steak. And then I was like, all catch, metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> that's right I that stuck out to me too and I to me that was her saying picking him yeah to me too although I would have thought they would have chose something like a little fancier like maybe a fancy kebab or something versus a steak I was like a sausage like that is actually a pretty country <laughs> pretty country thing but yes I also read it that that was like foreshadowing her eventual decision that she would when push came to shove choose Joseph forever's run um, we see a little glimpse of brick. We're getting a bit more brick in these episodes. And I was like, yay, I love any little yes, bit of brick that I get. Always bring on brick and Becky, my faves. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was having Claire, uh, Nick's just hanging around. He was talking to Claire. Um, Nick and Claire are gossiping about what they think about the visitors and what lightweights they are. Um, the city girl kind of walks past the Ryan boys and they're talking about cows. Then she goes over to the girls. And the girls are also talking about cows. And then the city people will laugh at how everybody is talking about cows. Again, well, in my family at least, is, is accurate as far as the boys. When all my uncles get together, they can literally sit and talk about cows and grass and cattle prices all day long. And it is the boringest thing you've ever heard. Uh, the women do not talk about cows in my family, but... It was funny because that was a pretty realistic scene. <laughs> um, and this is where Tess and Nick have a very significant conversation. Do you want to run us through this conversation, Rachel? Yes, I do. So Nick is asking her what she wants to do. And they're, it's a very romantic pose. You guys have all watched it. You're probably watching it with us. And she's leaning against the doorpost and he's leaning against the wall, mm-hmm. looking down on her, you know, the one arm up thing. I'm thinking how I would describe this in, in the scene I was writing. And he's asking her, what do you want to do with your future? And she said she didn't know. And he's talking about, is she going to stay or go? And she says she just needs one person to tell her to stay. Now, I at first thought she was talking about Alex, mm-hmm. but later we learn she's not. 
But what so surprised me, and I told, I think, again, I'm at the diner and I think I threw my hands up in the air like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, told, I told Jess, I'm like, what are we doing with this quadruple romance happening? It's not a triangle, love triangle to love quadruple. It's that she walks off and she says, I don't know. And Nick says very gently, stay. So he's the one who's going to stay. What? He's he's romantically involved with your brother, Nick. What are, then I said, maybe he's saying it for Nick. Maybe he's saying it for him. But I'm like, no, no, I think, what? (laughs) What's happening? (laughs) Because you guys, I'm team Alex and Claire and team Nick. No, I'm team Alex and Tess and team Claire and Nick. Because they mm-hmm. keep alluding to that too. He flirts with Claire. Mm-hmm. So I'm just trying to imagine this guy knowing his history with his brother, mm-hmm. falling in love with the his brother's girl. I can't, I can't go, I can't grasp it. So and I seeing have- her flirt with this other guy. So go ahead. I'm yeah, out. that's true. Yeah, she <laughs> she has three guys on the hook in this episode. So <laughs> well done. Jen. She did, which I felt was a little bit over the top, but that's okay. Fiction. Um, I had two reactions. Fiction is hyperbole. Yes, that's true. I had two reactions to Nick saying this. Like, well, first of all, she's like, I just need one person to tell me to stay. And I'm like, dude, that is an absolute sitter. Like, just, which I don't know if that's a phrase you will be familiar with. Um, like, it's like referring to if you hit the ball really high in cricket and it's like, what's it called again? Catch a sitter. I hope I'm saying that right. There may be other Australians laughing at me being like, no, that's not what it is. But I think so. So insert cricket term here. (laughs) Um, It's like they hit the ball really high and you just like got to sit under it and it just like lands in your hands. So I was like, dude, she's just like, she's just giving you like the easiest opportunity ever because I am team Nick and Tess. Although every episode I get more and more okay with an Alex and Tess future because they work far better than I thought they would. But I still, I, I feel, I just feel like there's been too much significant glances and she keeps Nick at arm's length, but I feel like that's the show wanting to not burn up all their main romantic storyline too should early. listen to Auntie Rachel. She knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't see them as a couple. I, I think uh, the glances are red herrings. Oh. And because... Tess is at least open to relationship. Claire is like a brick wall with steel behind it. Like, burp, nope. Even though she occasionally flirts with him. She is, but I feel that Tess lets people in. She's better than Claire by comparison, but she slowly lets them in to a point. And then she has a more subtle, more prettily decorated, but still a wall. Yeah. Um, And I feel like that's a part of why she's picked Alex instead of Nick because she can keep Alex at a bit of an emotional arm's length and she knows that he won't really mind. And whereas Nick is someone who wants that emotional connection, she knows she couldn't keep him at bay, so she keeps him way away. Or, or she keeps him at bay because she knows he is the one who will want the connection and she knows she does not want that with him. Mm. So, right? All possibilities, we will have to see. Um, but anyway, in, in any case, she walks off and he whispers stay after she's gone. And initially I was like, that is so beautiful. But then like a minute later, I was like, dude, why didn't you just say it to her? Like, 
what is all this? This is what Nick does every time. He has had how many opportunities to actually come out and tell Tess what he feels, and he has never actually said anything to her about liking her. And so, yeah, yeah, like, that was out. That felt really out of the blue to me. Is just it is if he it, if he does like her and he's hesitating. I wish the show would give us a reason because we don't have one, and it's yeah, frustrating me. Um, so anyway, that happens. Um, and Bryony, meanwhile, is getting a bit bored, pulls out some pills, and Tess is like, no, I'm going to stick to cattle drenching tomorrow, thanks. But Bryony takes one, and Jody asks for one, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, Meg will murder somebody if they give her daughter drugs. Um, but then Jody, like, so the girl doesn't give one to Jody, and Jody goes and finds her purse and takes one. I'm like, Jody. But that is so Jody. She did that in another episode. Yeah, she's Mm -hmm. so Jody. I'm like, oh, because this girl desperately wants to grow up. So desperately. Mm -hmm. Desperately. (laughs) That was very, I'm glad that they uh, have been so consistent with her character. They have. That is true. Jody does not break character. Um, We get a little bit of Brick and Becky. Becky goes out for a walk and Brick has anticipated that she would not be hanging around the party and he's waiting for her sitting on her veranda and he's like we hardly talked and she says I open my mouth and rubbish comes out I've spent she's she's feeling actually a little bit insecure she doesn't like these city people but they are striking a nerve in her that is not well educated she can't read she says I've spent my life talking to truckies and station hands and he says well I'm a station hand and I like talking to you and it's so cute (laughs) they are so cute and he says she says something about you get two words out of you and he says he's so smart he says maybe two words is all you need and I said okay Ding, ding, ding. ding. Bell for brick. Two words. If if it was three words, I would have been like, I don't know what the three words are, but what are the two words? (laughs) She said, you hardly put two words together. And he says, sometimes two words are plenty. Hmm. And then he hands her the little, he sends her a little drink umbrella. Yeah, that was cute. And And walks off. She's like twirling it in her hand. And like, we all know Becky has had that snow globe collection, which I remember she shattered some of them earlier, but Becky, I feel like, is actually very sentimental underneath and she likes to collect things and keep them. And I'm like, that little umbrella is going into a special box that she takes with her. Like, it's up there with the snow globes, man. I, I hope that one day in the future we see that sitting in the background of a scene or something because I want yeah, to Yeah, that's got to be a kept place. prop. Absolutely. Got to keep yeah. that prop. I really hope so. Um, so back to the party. Oh, this is where Simon is asking Tess five years down the track, where are we? Um, and I was he like, says, you know play what? a game with me. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about five years down the future. And I was like, you know, this, I thought I would hate this guy. I thought they'd play him up to be a real bad guy, but I'm like, that's a fair enough question. He's not using underhanded tactics here. He's asking her, what does she want? He's not even really being particularly manipulative. Like, And he asks her, do you want to have babies with this crocodile Dundee guy? And she's straight away like, no. I'm like, oh, that's a bit of a nail in the coffin for my um, Tess and Alex, you know, future. Like that does reveal that she's, I think she's more having fun, short-term relationship sort of thing. They're in this weird middle ground. It's more than just hooking up, but she's not seeing a future. Um, Yeah, I loved, um, you know, we say, that guy's crocodile Dundee 
maybe we'll refer to that. It was fun for me to see an actual Australian and an Australian script say, you're going to marry this crocodile Dundee guy. I'm like, oh, it's universal. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because 99% of Australians are nothing like, I think because of pop culture, Americans think we're a far more rural country than we are. But like, I think 80% of our population lives either in a capital city or on the coastline. <laughs> I know. Well, I actually think it's because we look at a map and we see like, there's like two thirds of the country is nothing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then you go, and that's why they have to live on the coast or in the big city because (laughs) two thirds of the country is desert or whatever. Desert. What's in the middle? No, not Adelaide. Is Adelaide in the middle? No, No, Adelaide. There's Alice Springs is in the middle. Um, Adelaide is down the very bottom in the middle. Yeah, that's right. Um, so these guys are between Alice Springs and Adelaide. Wow. That is nowhere, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It hey, is you know, nice. in these days, that's kind of nice. Mm. <laughs> you can really be off the grid. <laughs> There's some benefits. Yeah, there are. Um, I just want to say, too, about Simon, I think you're absolutely right. He's trying to remind her of her dream, mm-hmm. which is a totally cool story point. Mm-hmm. And Good for anybody out there wanting to write a love triangle. And now we yes. have a love quadruple, whatever that <laughs> love, square. Re- love square. If you want to remind the person of their dream. And, and I think it is valid. You're absolutely right. Does this what you want? Cause you've only been here, what, six months, but we dreamed about this for five years. Mm-hmm. So. It's very sweet home Alabama. You know, she's caught between yeah. her, her history and her future, which dream she has multiple dreams, which dream does she want the most? And I like that this was a bit of a watershed moment because from she's always been the city girl trying to fit in here. Whichever way she goes now, it will change her. You know, she she will make a commitment to something and that'll sort of change who she is a little bit. So I like that. But at the moment, she's still wavering. So she kisses Simon and Alex this time does catch them. Ah, uh, uh, yes. I was like, oh, oh, she's kissing him. Cue Alex. Cue Alex. <laughs> QL. Oh, there he is. There he is. <laughs> Comes in swinging. <laughs> Rough Simon up a little bit, but I have to say not as much as I thought. I'm like, this is a pretty natural reaction. He is in a relationship with Tess that they have talked about. He catches her kissing someone else. He shoved him away. He gave him a little bit of a rough up, but then he calmed straight down and he talked to Tess and his focus was on don't make any decision until we talk tomorrow because he obviously had something that he wanted to say to Tess to prevent her going off with Simon and I'm very curious about what that was we don't end up getting to see that in the episode no I we thought don't if he was being super immature he would have given Simon the flogging of his life but he didn't and so for Alex you know maybe Nick would have had an even calmer response but for Alex I thought this was a little more mature than I had expected so a lot of strange things in the scene one that was a pretty strong response for two people who I don't think I've said, I love you. And don't, and, and, and Tess is still saying, you know, kind of like well, we're just in the messing around stage. So she's obviously very conflicted here. And then Simon comes in, he's very romantic. He's holding her hands. She does not back away. Mm-hmm. And she is downplayed to him, the seriousness of her relationship. I mean, if I'm in love with a guy, I don't say, Oh, he's a nice guy. You know, mm. like if somebody asks me, oh, how's Tony? Oh, he's a nice guy. <laughs> well, he is a nice guy, but I love him passionately. So that's my husband, everybody. So um, <laughs> that's, you know what I mean? It's kind of, kind of very 
very odd response from her. And then, but the way he says, I still love you. So obviously there's a history. Obviously they've loved each other. Obviously they've declared it. And I don't think our good buddy Alex has said those words yet. And I don't think she said them to him unless I've missed something. No, no, they haven't said that yet. I really, I didn't really expect Alex to have a strong reaction because he was particularly in love with Tess. I feel like Alex doesn't like other people playing with his toys. (laughs) I would agree 100% with that. I absolutely think that's true, Mm -hmm. which Nick should know. Yes. (laughs) I just want to say, Nick, I'm shouting out a warning to you, bro. You should be very careful. (laughs) I do feel like that's very true with Alex's character. They're, They're portraying him as if, He's kind of has a lot, I would call bravado. He's mm-hmm. larger than life. He's got a lot of, I am this big, brave dude, but um, not really. And he, so, you don't, yeah, you don't see what's really going underneath of him. Of course, you know, he has problems with his dad. Mm-hmm. And so he wants tests, but he doesn't want to really make the commitment. And then I felt like he was afraid she was going to go inside. He's staying at her house, that mm-hmm. she was going to go get into his bed with him. And I thought that's what he to me, I felt like that's what he's saying. Basically, don't do anything with this guy. I think he was thinking that they might hook up again. Yes, so. I think he was definitely thinking that. And he just, I like his reaction that he, she said, we'll talk tomorrow. And he didn't demand that they talked right then. I thought Alec would demand instant answers. He would blow up. He would be unreasonable. But he said, okay, but nothing happens with him until we talk. And I was like, fair enough, mate. That is that is fair enough. And that's... um. I thought it, I didn't expect him to be able to calm down enough to give her a day and to not demand like some kind of immediate answer. So yeah, yeah that was good. Of course he, he leaves like threatening to rip Simon's head off, which made me laugh. And I was like, ah, he had to get that out. <laughs> yeah. That was really weird. Like if you touch her, I'm going to knock your block off. Okay. We're back to the, you know, Alex the two bulls in the pavement. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> but, I mean, if he hadn't have cared at all, I would have liked him less, you know, if he was just like, ah, eh, whatever. Then well, we would have expected, to be honest, yeah, we would have expected, to be honest, the typical, he comes in, sees them kissing, goes, <gasps> and turns around and walks out. So I, I kind of like that he came in with and confronted them. I'm not sure I really believe the fist flying, but I would have liked I'm glad that he confronted the situation. There you go. So mm. you can play it however you want. You're the creator. You can do what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Claire's expression while all this was happening was interesting. I interpreted it as Claire disapproves of what Tess has done and that Claire would never have played with Alex's heart like that. I think Claire is jealous of Tess. Ooh. That's what I think. Ooh, Because she does not have the ability to let herself go and fall mm-hmm. in love. She's mm-hmm. all, and by the way, Alex walks in with his thumbs in his pocket again. <laughs> if there had been a gate, he'd have kicked it. Um, <laughs> I think Tess, I mean, Claire is jealous of Tess because she can. Went too tight. Yeah, she can let go and, mm-hmm. and have affection. And I think, yeah, and I wonder if Tess, Claire even thinks that, she will have a guy, but she mm-hmm. holds everybody at arm's length. Remember, she did have the flirt with the cattle Peter. guy. Peter's yeah, coming Peter. back. 
Not oh, not to Peter's spoil next back. episode too much, but Peter's coming back next episode. I, I okay. I'm Claire, and I'm Team Claire and Peter. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so now we how many? We got three, four, four guys circling around these women. Four, four guys, and yeah, and three Peter, of them are Nick, sort of had Alex, with one, but three have also yeah. sort of had something with the other. I yeah. So Alex and Nick are kind of. Claire and Tess, and then we have yep. Simon and Peter. Which yeah. is a, hey, Simon Peter, a nice yeah. biblical name. <laughs> oh, this is all Drake, very everybody. symbolic, very <laughs> symbolic. Yes. Um, all right, so we're moving on uh, after the little fight, and she yes. promises to talk to him the next day, which oddly she does not because she later does on, not. Claire says you need to talk to Alex, so she did mm-hmm. not keep her. Well, it kind of it kind of ends there, doesn't it? We'll we'll get back to that at the end. But at this point, they kind of leave the relationship drama and they go to the sisters who have a conversation. Um, and Tess is sort of fishing. She's talking about the workload Tess, that Claire is going to have with all the horses plus the farm, and you know, are you going to be able to handle it all? And Tess here is fishing for an invite to stay, and Claire is wanting to, as usual, prove her independence and that she can do anything alone and doesn't need anybody else. And, um, and so it leaves Tess feeling like she actually says, so I'm actually not needed then. And Claire says, we'll manage. But Claire is progressing. I like this. We're at the end of the season. She has made progress here. She stops before she leaves and says, but you'll visit this time, won't you? And so she does make it clear she's not mad. Old Claire would have gotten mad about this. And she does make it clear that she still wants a relationship with her sister um, she's not totally picking up on the emotional cues, but at she, she's grown a bit, I think. Yes, absolutely. And uh, also in here, I loved that conversation with them, but also in here, we have a Briny and Jody scene yes. <laughs> that um, they have gone out and Briny's like high as a kite. And Jody's laying flat on her back and you know, hands on her hair, like, oh my gosh, you know. And Bryony pulls her up off the ground and says, I think we've had too much to drink. And then they twirl about, and yeah. Bryony tells her she's been such a good friend. And then they run off. And clearly, now we've we've known that Jody got into Bryony's purse and took something. So she looks like she's not doing well. She's had this drug didn't do well with her which we're going to find out more later. She collapses in Briny's arms and then Briny goes to Tess and tries to get her to help her to get Jody over to Becky's place. Mm-hmm. So eh, we haven't discovered what's all happened there yet. Mm-hmm. So they get over to Becky's place and I love Becky. Becky takes such good care of Jody. Jody is vomiting. She is miserable. Um, they realize that she's taken something. Becky is calm. She says, you're going to be fine. She's compassionate. Bryony is not helping at all. She gets out of there. Um, also, Becky had really good hair in this scene. Her hair is Becky a had really re- cute bob it's really cute. And also, she had just climbed out of bed because she was sleeping when they brought yeah. her in. And you know what, what else is funny about that whole scene is Jody keeps, uh, no, Becky keeps saying to Jody, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And then Bryony says, is she going to be okay? Like she just <laughs> said it like three times. Are you going to, there was, I bet you okay is in that little scene about six times. <laughs> but you know, yeah. when you're in a, tra- when you're in an emergency situation, that's very common, but it was funny. Mm-hmm. And Becky is just so calm and capable. And I just watched this scene and I was like, Becky would be a great mom. 
And in fact, I almost feel like I can kind of see the comparisons between her and Meg. I feel like even though her and Meg clash, it's almost because they're too similar and that Meg is a much older version of Becky. Um, and Oh, that's a really great point. What a great observation. You're right. That's true. And I think probably Meg sees her younger self and Becky, which is why she bristles sometimes when uh, Becky wants to go off with Jody or Jody wants to go off with Becky. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Very much. Um, and so that was just lovely to see. And, you know, Becky's also so great because she's made mistakes in her past. She's done wild stuff. And so she doesn't judge and she's not grossed out at anything. She just takes it all in her stride and, she has a lot of compassion. I, yeah. She's my favorite character. Absolutely yeah. my favorite character. She's she so has great. a lot of compassion. Mm-hmm. Um, so Bryony now is uh, goes off. She talk, visits the cows. She goes in. She leaves the gate open. Bit of a callback to the first episode where Tess accidentally unlatched a gate and didn't latch it back up properly. Bryony, however, is high and has just left it wide open and is much more at fault here. Um, and then we go to Tess is up before her alarm. I also like this. Previously, you always see Tess is up late. She sleeps past her alarm. She's always in her pajamas and everyone else is working. Now she is awake before her alarm goes off. She's already packed. She's dressed for the day. She's ready to go. She goes out to do some work and all the cows are gone. And um, and meanwhile, they find Bryony and Jody outside. Jody has told Meg what she did. I can't believe that she fessed up. Oh, my goodness. Where is your sense of self-preservation, Jody? <laughs> I think she wanted to get Bryony in trouble. Yes, because Meg obviously flies off the handle at Bryony, who very calmly tells her that Jody stole, not only stole the tablet, but she actually stole, I think it was an aspirin or a flu tablet or something. She, yeah, she even. stole, yeah, she stole her, she said a flu tablet, but then she said she basically got high on aspirin. Yeah. <laughs> um. So now uh, Bryony is essentially off the hook and we don't see the consequences that follow with Jodie, but I can only imagine that they were, uh, that Meg did not have a good reaction to the thought of what Jodie had attempted to do. Um, hopefully, I thought little- the, um, I thought the whole business of her packing seemed very weird to me. And then all the suitcases, there's a little scene where Claire comes in and all the suitcases are at the bottom of the stairs. Like they haven't really had a conversation. Yeah. No, this is this is my one already packing. Yeah, that didn't seem realistic to me at all. And and we've talked before in the past, and you guys know that always to me is the one thing that doesn't resonate throughout the show is that you they don't have those tense conversations. They don't say they do. They have on occasion, Mm -hmm. but they don't. What I say, what I call, drop the bombs. Drop the bombs. And then you ha- see where the shrapnel goes. Mm. And then you have the real tension residing because you said that. So for example, if Tess and Claire had actually talked, well, do you want me to move? Look, I don't want to be in your way. I'm asking you if you want me to move. Do you want me to go or am I, do I matter here? Because I could, because remember that Tess in this episode suggests what she can do in that conversation she has with Claire. She suggests mm. what she can do to help make the ran- the farm run while Tess does her, I mean, Claire does, I'm getting their names wrong all the time. Claire does her breeding business, her horse business. So she's trying to insert herself into the management of the farm. And 
the, the, the constant, we, we can manage, we'll manage, we'll manage. And I'm like, no, say it. Say like, no, I don't want you here because I want you to go chase your dream because I don't want you to resent me. Well, mm. I won't resent you. So I know they're working towards that stay conversation, but still, I think there could have been a much more dynamic conversation and you would have seen Claire and Tess go into her room, slam the door and go, well, if that's how you feel and pull out her suitcases. Mm-hmm. That to me, I would have bought that a little bit better because she hasn't actually declared to anybody that she wants to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that is a bit of a pattern. I've noticed that with a few different things. Um, in the meantime, all these ladies are distracted with cows escaping everywhere. Um, and again, this contrasted a bit with the time that Tess had let the cows go. Yeah. Um, Becky points out to Claire that you should have seen Tess's face this morning. She was as mad as you. She actually looked like you. And Claire kind of reflects. Mm, she does know how to shut gates and chase cows and what every steer on this property is worth to us. And um, Yeah, and- she did notice that she actually knew what they were about. She knew the business. Yeah. So it kind of points out to us how much Tess has grown. And also I liked this interaction also between Becky and Claire because I don't think Becky even said anything. She just looks at Claire and Claire reads in Becky's face, you need to tell her what she's worth to us. And Claire's sort of defensively like, well, I said we'd miss her. You know, you can't say anything more than that. I can't ask her to stay. I don't want her to brood about missing the cafe and resent me. And I'm like, gee, Becky didn't even... Becky didn't even say anything there and, and Claire's just kind of spilling it all out. And I thought the fact that she even said any of that to Becky was growth and the fact that she kind of respected Becky's opinion enough that she felt the need to defend what she'd done. And Sorry, choke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Mm. I thought uh, I loved Becky's face there. So again, Becky's the wise one. Becky's Becky's the steady one. one. Becky's the honest one. Becky's the one who brings all this honest emotion to the show to me. I Mm. love her. Love, love, love. And then Claire looks real sad. I was surprised Claire rides off and she actually cries while she's riding her horse home. I was like, oh, Claire, wow, you don't see her cry very often. Um, No, that was, I really like that because I think that was a moment of reckoning for her that, mm -hmm. wait, Becky has poked the bear, so to speak, and she has made me realize I don't want my sister to leave. And and that is kind of the end of the conversation they had before, like where she's trying to say, Tess is trying to ascertain whether or not she's valued and wanted. Claire walks out and says, you will visit, won't you? So we mm-hmm. get a hint of her longing to maintain this relationship. And that I think in her awkward way is trying to tell Tess to stay. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, meanwhile, Tess is really giving it to her friend for leaving the gate open. She really lays into her for, you know, I have no idea how much work it took two days in the saddle to muster these cattle. Now they're everywhere. You don't appreciate how hard it is. Um, you take responsibility, daddy da. And then they find a cow has apparently, uh, fallen down a hill. Let me just say, I've never, I mean, the farmer grew up on was pretty flat, but, uh, it's actually an hour away from the flattest place on earth, but, there's been other farms that had more hills and stuff. I have never known a cow to fall down a hill. It just... Yeah, that seems really weird to me. They should be able to navigate that pretty quickly, don't you yeah. think? If it's too steep for them, they don't walk down it. And if it's not too steep for them, they just go down it. They're, they're a very sturdy, sure-footed animal. They're not, they don't tend to fall. <laughs> I just, just, I've never really seen one fall unless it like slipped on slippery cement or something. Um, so I thought that was very weird. 
they go down there and they um, they check the cow. Both legs are broken. They're going to have to shoot it. Tess is also sitting there patting the cow's head. I was also like, that's actually, I know she's trying to be soothing. That's actually not going to make the cow feel any better. <laughs> Just walk away from it and leave it. Your presence will distress the cow. Um, but so you they, know what else is weird? I thought when they, they didn't have any mention of what they were going to do with the cow after the fact. Like, are you going to like butcher it or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just assumed they would um, just drag. We had a, like a graveyard. We just pick them up with the tractor and toss them into there. But we had dairy cows, not beef cows. So you don't really want to eat them. But yeah, that one, that was a, a meat steer. So they could have called the mobile butcher out to have a crack at it. Um, yes. I did notice, is this a phrase you picked up on? I think Tess called either the cow or her friend a silly nong. And I was like, Americans probably don't call people a silly nong. <laughs> I, no, that didn't stick out to me. What, what does that mean? I don't even know. I'm actually, I just thought to myself, I don't even know what it means. I'm just Googling it. It may have some dreadful meaning that I'm unaware of. So <laughs> I should probably check, but I just hear people. It's just what, like silly duffer, silly billy, silly nong. Yeah. Totally no, yeah. That didn't sound it. out of the range for me. Yet. Oops, I can't keep typing in an eye. Oh, here we go. Yes, it is in Google. A foolish or stupid person, often as a general term of abuse. <laughs> there we go. In a urban dictionary, in Australian slang, nong is used as a pretty mild and or endearing insult, a bit of a twit or idiot, nothing too mean or horrid. There you go. Huh. There you go. Um, I did also laugh at their diagnosis of the cow because it was such horrific injuries. Um, like they're like, oh, both legs broken. It's fallen down the hill. It also has internal injuries. I guess it's too late for the vet. I'm like, for starters, the fall down the hill ain't going to do that. Second of all, internal injuries. If a cow has two broken legs, there's no coming back from that. Maybe one, oh, right. if the brake's not too bad, it can limp around on three legs till it gets better. But two, you're done, all right? Yeah, you've taken a bullet. Um, yeah. So- <laughs> I, again, I thought that was so weird. I'm like, cows should know how to navigate that hill. What is the big, <laughs> did the bully cow knock this cow over? And yeah. he like tripped yeah. up. And I would think that cows would have, I don't know, pretty sturdy bones. I mean, unless this cow had some disease and was fragile, I just was I thought and then when I saw somebody said oh come and look over here I'm like if you show me a wounded or dead animal I'm out here I'm such an American do not kill any animals in my television shows I had to laugh too the way they're talking about the vet I was like what do they think do they think they're going to put a cast on this cow's leg have you ever seen a cow with a cast on its leg no that is not a thing that is not (laughs) well I know maybe they were thinking of putting him down in a different manner rather than the bullet to the head maybe i don't i don't know anyway cows can break their legs here is the only context in which i've ever heard of a cow breaking his leg it's actually a bull if a bull is uh getting friendly with a cow and another bull attacks it from the side then then it can break its leg because it's like hit him and yeah uh, kind of a yeah like a t-bone man if you get yeah t-bone in a car you're that's not good <laughs> yeah yeah that's the only way i've ever heard of it happening so um anywho um but back to the human drama <laughs> um 
They go back to the house. Meg is loading the gun to shoot the cow. Meg has a crack at Bryony and says, we don't shoot city, clumsy city people. And then she's like, these days. <laughs> that like. was good. That was good. That was good. Meg is good for a zinger. <laughs> Bryony gives Simon a hug. I was like, ah, they can be together. They'd... Although I think Simon's too good for Bryony, honestly. But, um, and I like how Tess took responsibility. She said, my friend made the mistake. I'll clean it up. She shoots the cow, but Tess always hates this stuff. She's very much like you, Rachel. She says mm-hmm. she hates this. I hate it, I hate it, I hate it. I'm never doing it again. Um, Claire thinks that she she takes that as Tess isn't tough enough for farm life. Claire's sad. She thinks Tess wants to go. Um, and Tess is, like, washing. She's washing her hands. She's not actually washing the blood of her hands because she, she shot the cow. She, she didn't touch any blood. Um, but... She's washing the gunpowder off of her hand. Yeah, I guess so. She's um, another metaphor maybe. And Claire comes and, to her credit, initiates a conversation. She says, where do you see us in 20 years, looking even further than Simon did? And she paints this picture. You know, you've planted your crop, that hemp crop she was talking about a few episodes ago. You know, there's a new start for us. There, You're right about the quarter horses. It's going to be real hard for me to keep up with the work. You're such a big part of Drover's run now. It'd be a real shame. And Tessa's like, yeah. And then she like really, she even says, she's like, you're going to make me say it, aren't you? <laughs> she's like, it's a lot of work and you're running off to the city. It's going to be tough on us. Megan, the girls. And then she's like, and me. <laughs> yep. And I liked, I was like, you know what, that even though I don't get from Nick's character's point of view why he wouldn't just say to Tess, stay, I understand why the writers didn't want him to because Claire is the one that Tess needed to hear it from, not even Nick. Yeah, um, yeah, I was thinking Alex. I was thinking yeah. Alex had to say it, but actually what Tess wanted was for Claire to say it. Mm-hmm. I was, yeah. Towards the end, I'm like, oh, you should have picked that up. But I didn't. <laughs> And I even liked, I liked how they made it be really explicit. Claire danced around and she tried to get around having to say the words, but Tess says to her, what are you saying, Claire? And, and Claire says, I'm saying you're needed. You belong. Stay. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that you was really, really good. You belong. Like that's such beautiful words. Well, I thought what really Tess needed to hear was you're needed because, it, yeah. but because the bathroom conversation was we'll get along, we'll get by. Mm-hmm. And now it's, uh, you know, and visit. And now it's like, don't go. You're needed. That's a whole different ball of wax. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was lovely. And then they have a laugh. Tess says one thing, you have to buy me an espresso machine. <laughs> he says, I'll stay. Absolutely. And you got to buy me espresso machine. <laughs> So then finally Tess talks to Simon and she says in five years time, Claire will be breeding champions and I'll be turning a profit. And, um, on, and I miss what she said on, she said on something, I'm assuming it was her hemp crop or something like that. But anyway, she, she now has a vision for the future and it is different to what her old vision of the future was. And that's a real changing point for her character. And she says, I love it here. This is my home. And Simon tells her you're wrong. I know it. And when you realize it, call me, um, but I don't think she's going to call him. Do you think she's going to call him, Rachel? No, I don't. She says Claire's going to be breeding champion horses. She'll be doing having them for a profit. She'll be running the cattle for a profit. And he says you'll be hauling manure to the veggie patch. And she said probably. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, she says, I love it here, Simon. And so it's my home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't think she's going to call him. Nope, he sure. is gone. I do not think he is coming back. He is bye-bye, Miss American Pie. 
Drove the Chevy to the levee and Simon waves bye-bye. <laughs> I did like that he leaves and Claire's like, he was cute. <laughs> oh, wait. He says to her, sorry, you guys know I'm trailing here watching. He tells her, you belong with me. So oh, he has yes. his final. Two people have said you, you belong, belong in this city. Yeah, you belong in the city. And then he touches her hair and he says, you belong with me. That's true. Mm-hmm. And she's like, nope, I belong with my sister. Yeah, she doesn't really react to that. She doesn't say yes or no. She just kind of takes it in. Mm-hmm. So they're leaving that open for, I'm sure, future episodes. Mm-hmm. And then Bryony waves goodbye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then our last thing is Claire says, do one thing for me. It's Alex. He's going to show up with some kind of weapon if you don't call him. Tell him what a hunk he is. The bloke deserves to win a bet from me sometime. (laughs) There are multiple layers of things I love in this conversation. I liked that Alex was obviously feeling anxious and was, but dealing with it in his caveman way, he's going to show up with some kind of weapon. But I'm like, hey, he cares enough. He is anxious. I like the thought that Alex, who the heartbreaker, is anxiously sitting by the phone waiting to hear from Tess. That was a nice little flip of the tables there um I liked that Claire was clued into how Alex was feeling and I thought it was funny how she like knows about his ego and just finds it funny and she's like tell him what a hunky is and I also liked that she and Alex had bet on this and that she had in fact bet against the relationship That's hilarious. That's but hilarious. She's willing to throw him one to like prop up his ego a little bit. I just, that was funny to me. <laughs> yeah. To me, Claire always seems big sisterish to Alex mm-hmm. or sisterish. And to Nick, it seems a little bit more, I don't know, open to him. But we'll see what happens with Peter. We will see. When I Pita have picked up jealous vibes before. A- from Tess about, oh, sorry, from Claire, picked up jealous vibes from Claire regarding Tess and Alex, but I didn't get any in this episode. You know, I would have thought if she was feeling jealous, she would have, um, you know, maybe nudged Tess towards Simon, but then she didn't want Tess to leave. So anyway, yes, we will see. We will see what happens. I'm sure much more relationship drama is to come. And that is the always. Yeah, that's what we can always at Drover's Run. There is relationship (laughs) drama to come. Yep. (laughs) So that's it for friends like these. What was your overall thoughts on the episode, Rachel? I liked it. I did have a few moments where I was like, "What are we doing here?" And Mm -hmm. I did love laughing out loud when Alex kicked open the gate. But. As always, super great ending, super tender. I thought, finally, you've brought the sisters into a a good, solid relationship. We'll see where it goes from here. Because their personalities are so different, I think we have lots of room for conflict between them going forward, which I'm sure the show will take advantage of. Mm -hmm. So really good. I watched a few minutes of episode 22. Very exciting. Can't wait to talk to you guys about that. So what did you think of the show I feel like it has put us in a position where I find myself more looking forward to the future episodes because I feel like it's a turning point for actually both Tess and Claire. Like they are now committed and Claire is starting to open up. So like you said, there's still a lot of room for conflict in the future, but it's conflict that will get dealt with and 
the, I feel like the relationship is more interesting now that they're actually discussing back and forth and they know they're both invested and they're able to talk about this stuff. So I look forward to seeing what comes up with sort of, you know, new and improved um, hardworking country tests and new and improved emotionally aware Claire. So, um, and, and interesting things are coming next episode, folks. Let, let me say there was some unexpected drama that we encountered. And I'll just say that Claire's reaction is like, <laughs> what? <laughs> There's a lot to that, talk about. <laughs> it's great. Not, good not entirely out of character. I was watching that too, going, what is she doing? And thinking, what would I, what would I do if I was in this yeah, situation? That's it. My and- boyfriend and I were talking about this and he was like, don't do that. Don't do that. And I was like, uh-huh. if I'm in this situation, let's just <laughs> yeah, what would be you on do? my side with this. This is going to make a lot more sense next episode, folks, and we can tell you what the crisis is, but just get ready. It was totally in Claire's character though. So yeah, you guys, um, we'll be happy to talk to you guys about it when episode 22 Yep. is launched tune in next fortnight <laughs> well that is it from us for this episode thank you very much for joining us here in 2021 back on drover's run and uh like i said earlier if you have friends and family who also love mcclairs and you like this show you think they might too why don't you let them know about it um you can also if you would like more romantic drama in your life check out our books we are both authors Rachel, what books of yours might the readers like to check out? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> All 30. It's weird. I feel like I feel like I've been writing forever, but I only have 30 books out. You um, have 30. My latest I knew you had 30, a lot. I didn't know yes. it was 30. <laughs> yeah, I love saying 30 in Australian. Yeah, 30. So um last year, this month, I released uh, Fifth Avenue Story Society. It's doing well. And then in the August, I went back and did a little bit of romance writing. Fifth Avenue Story Society is kind of a, a, a multicast, five characters. They get a mysterious invitation to attend this um, literary society. And it's not about the stories on the shelves, but about the stories in their hearts and in their minds and the things that they have to work through and how they help each other get to the next stage of their life. And then I decided to go back and do a little, have some fun with some royal romances. Um, they are not... Um, they are fun reads, hope-filled reads, but they're not exactly super fluffy. So if you like something with a little bit more meat in them, I think that's what I try to do in these royal stories, um, which as Jess knows, I was talking to her earlier, caused me some problems when I'm writing. <laughs> but To Love a Prince is the first in the True Blue Royal series. And um, To Save a King will come out in May. So. Very exciting. And Jess, what great stories do you have for us to read? So I have two books out. A Girl's Guide to the Outback is probably the most, story. <laughs> the most natural fit. If you're a McLeod's fan, we've got we've got farms, we've got family drama, we've got romance, all that stuff that you love from McLeod's. I also have another book. My first one was Love and Other Mistakes, and I am hard at work on future projects to bring to you guys. Um, so, yeah, check those out. I heard for the first time in the last week someone who told me that they – first heard us on the podcast and then they bought one of the books and so I was like oh that's so exciting <laughs> that is very exciting yes we loved it we don't hear these things very Thank often you. folks so we, we love hearing them from you um we do appreciate it 
We do. And we also appreciate how much everybody has been listening over our Christmas break. We did have a pretty long break over Christmas. We had a lot of projects and other stuff to work on. And I only had a quick look at the statistics, but there are a lot of people listening over the break. So, And we heard at one point that the show was number um, 18 in the Netherlands in the TV and film category. So them, there Go must figure. be a lot of the Clouds fans in the Netherlands. Thank you, Netherlands. So, thank you very much. Dr. Shane, is that right? That's probably <laughs> I German. I think it's German. Yeah, I sorry. I, I did not mean to be insulting. <laughs> I apologize. I do apologize. Um, well, we will see you all next time, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey guys, just wanted to say a quick thank you to composer Bobby Abbott for our theme song. If you want to check out more about him, then you can go to Bobby Abbott Music on Facebook and that's Abbott with two B's and two T's. See you all next time.